Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I was just saying, so here we are. Yeah, here to we talk are. About so much. So much. Yeah, modernism. Yeah. How, um, yeah. How's it going, though? How's your class been, going? Uh, it's going okay. <laughs> it's going <laughs> fine. Yesterday, I found myself um, driving home and like talking to myself out loud, being like, okay, Riley, you only have five more lectures to write. Like, the yeah. end is in sight. Yeah. But it's all good. Um, yeah, I've been, I asked them a question the other day that I will ask you now, which is, um, what is your favorite like indulgence or how do you like treat yourself? This was oh. our introduction question. Okay, um, I know. I go get um, a Carl's Jr. Beyond Burger mm -hmm. um, and I drive my little Fiat with the windows down playing country music very loud. Ooh. That, and that that and that is that is like I just feel very nice when I do that that's like my yeah okay yeah yeah that's nice yeah <laughs> fuck you no I how do you mean, okay how do you do it well I was saying that every single day lately I wake up I make coffee and I go on a walk and I want an indulgence this is yes this is what people have told me um but it just feels so nice, you know? It, like, makes yeah. me so happy. So I think, like, this must be an indulgence. Yeah. But I guess one can just, like, be happy. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, no like, it has it's to like be a treat. It's like telling me, when you were telling me that, or, and we recorded that, like, meditation was indulgent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Much to unpack here. I don't right. know. Yeah. Um, but Drinking yeah, water. I, That's probably my big okay all right you know what that actually does clarify things for me um but yeah i don't know i've been going on a lot of walks i've been feeling very um like weepy about it uh or like on my walks where i'm just like the world is so beautiful <laughs> you know yeah, um yeah. a nice be bead griffiths sort of yeah big yeah. yeah bead which by the way i'm so stupid because you know that one guy um the venerable bead of English lore, mm -hmm. it's that's what his name is like, you know. And I just didn't put that together. Um, and he's a dude. And he, yeah, he is a yeah. Just like the other bead. Yeah. Well, actually, this is on you because this is your area. What is my area? English. Just the entire language. Just the entire <laughs> and and its history. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. One more question that I had is. Um, do you get like emo around your birthday? Whoa. Um, oh yeah, uh, it's almost your birthday. Catch it is almost my birthday and yeah. I'm always emo. Right. Um, no, not really. I think I, I pepper it really thoroughly throughout the year. Um, so it doesn't like hit too hard around then, yeah. It doesn't have to be like a sad emo. What is You're it? never like. What is not sad emo? E emotional, oh, you know. Okay. Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I guess. I, yeah, I do you reflective. turn into a goth? Yeah. <laughs> like, That's a, yeah. Um, no, but I do. I guess I get reflective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. You're reflective right now. Yeah, pretty much every uh, June when this happens. Like I went to see uh the peonies today they're all in like full bloom mm -hmm. and they're so beautiful and there were all these like children like rolling around in the grass like dogs <laughs> and i found this like overwhelming yeah <laughs> and i was just like oh i think it's because i've been listening to a lot of radiohead too oh my god yeah <laughs> which that'll do it but it's been nice yeah. to be emo to i don't know indulge in yeah. my walks to indulge and, yeah. Uh, I went to Kroger yesterday. I told myself I wasn't going to talk about <laughs> vegan food <laughs> uh, items on this yeah. episode, but the future milk, you know, the, or fuck, what's it called? Wonder Milk? Yeah, Wonder Milk. Wonder Milk is the one made by So Delicious, that company. I haven't yeah. bought that one yet. I got okay. Next Milk by Silk. It was terrible. It was awful. Yeah, okay. Yes, that one, Next Milk by Silk bad yeah. zero zero leaves out of five or whatever <laughs> yeah. i don't know what the the yeah. rating system is but um but 
Wonder Milk has uh, like frozen ice cream cones, like drumsticks. Oh, nice. I'm really excited to eat one today on my yeah. porch. Right. This this is a real indulgence, I think. I think it, yeah. Actually, yeah. If my if if my like fast food craving is an indulgence, then I'll I'll allow ice cream as an indulgence too. Yeah, yeah definitionally. Yeah. Makes more sense. Right. Um, Modernism. Yeah. well yeah we are this is a part yes today's episode is on modernism and it's the first in a series question mark i think yeah in a in a three-part series Um, a trilogy if you will a trilogy yeah (laughs) um a a trinity (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's the word i couldn't think of the word trinity trinity. oh okay (laughs) i I thought you didn't want to say that because you because of superstition no i'm just dumb Okay. <laughs> nice. Yes. Well, so I guess I'll I'll start with the explainer for like why we're doing this. So like we're going to do a three-part series on modernism and the well the so the three parts though. Yeah, I see you squinting. Uh <laughs> the three parts though are modernism, postmodernism and then um what comes next? Metamodernism? Maybe modernism is fake the whole time? Who knows? Um, so the third part will be like a bit of a, like, what's happening next. But um, basically, uh, the, the whole, like, project that we're embarked on with this podcast here is identifying, like, the movements of spirituality, especially Christianity, but just spirituality in um, the modern context. And while we've done a, enough, I think, contextualizing through the different works that we've talked about, um, like for the sake of talking about those works, um, I think it's time to really set the stage and say like, okay, what even is modernism? Like what is what is the modern? What is modernity? What are these different like buzzwords that we've been using to talk about um, like our current context um, and spirituality? And so, we're just going to devote the next three episodes to explaining what, what do we even mean when we talk about modernity, the modern, modernism. Are those three things the same thing? Are they different? Um, what kind of a thing is this at all? And then we can, I think, shed a little bit more light on how um, spirituality and Christianity uh, are situated within that. Yeah, and uh, TBD on if we're going to do the three episodes in a row or break them up with a fun episode i mean i think this is a fun episode yeah i think it's fun too i love modernism i'm so pleased yeah you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it feels so like nice now is my time yeah it is talk about modernism um which some people think is passe but that's because they're haters so i think it's because they failed to understand the fact that we're still in it well, I, are, okay. you think we are? Okay, <laughs> let's well, yeah, get this, into it, yeah. Yeah, this is one of the theses, theses that I, I think I'll try to advance. And this mm-hmm. is kind of harebrained and, and I'm not like a historiographer or like a Hegelian or any shit like that. Who, um, but that's actually probably to my credit that I'm not those things. Um, I'll probably mm-hmm. have better insight on this <laughs> for that. So like, I think I wanna say that the the postmodern and whatever comes after new sincerity, metamodernism, whatever, those are all like epicycles within the general trend of modernity. Um, Like there's this large thing called modernity. And then the other stuff that happens like postmodern is not truly a thing that comes after. It is just a cycle within the modern. Right. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Yes, I agree. And I think we'll get into it, but I think that once again, I'm going to push back against you saying modernism instead of yes, you're right. modernity. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. I don't think we're still in modernism, but we are in modernity. Okay, yes, that's right. Um, but that's just because I'm being, I'm thinking precious. of like, you're being yeah. About your, yeah. No, you're, you're, My you're, you're, sweet little <laughs> object, yeah. mod- literary right. modernism. Right, you're right. Um, um, no, you're yeah. right. I don't, we don't disagree. I'm just misusing terms. Um, but if you sub in the correct terms, I think we're still in, yeah. in modernity. Um, Definitely. And, and post-modernity is within, is a cycle, an epicycle of modernity. 
Um, and I use the term epicycle. Um, philosophers like to use that word, um, but it basically refers to like um, back when they were trying to figure out like how all the stars worked and they still had like Earth as the center of the um, solar system. In order to get the math right, they had to add in these little like extra loop-de-loops basically that like the planets and stars would do uh, that just like we're kind of dumb, but like it basically is like a mathematical thing to like make the heli the geocentric model work. Mm. Um, so that's that's it. Basically, just means like within a big circle, little little loop de loops that that happen within it. Oh, that's um, cute. Yeah, and so that that's that's what I think postmodern and whatever other stuff uh, are are examples of within the modern, um, mm -hmm. not within modernism. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, but I am just being a hater. I think yeah, or a little. That's fine. that's fine. But we'll we'll get into why yeah. that's the case. Um. <clears throat> well, I mean that's the next item on the docket actually. So we will get into oh, okay, it. And cool. presently, um, so there's there's a few different senses I think that people can talk about modernity, in in or like or lenses. I don't really like talk of lenses. I find it obscuring. But like there's a few different angles or methods that you could approach the study of the modern. Um, the first and most obvious one, I think, is historically, like something seems to have happened like 500 years ago, roughly, maybe less than that, maybe more than that on a generous reading, um, that sort of fundamentally altered the, the vibe. <laughs> there was a big vibe shift. Um, and uh, like since then, we've been living in a different world. I think like an easy point of reference for, for big time fans of the pod is... Um, <laughs> the uh, sort of disenchantment of the world as posited by Taylor. Like, I think he would call this beginning of the modern also the same thing as like the beginning of, of a disenchantment. And so that's one angle. Um, there's a whole, like attending that, that historical progression is a sort of like philosophical and scientific advance. Like our contemporary understanding of the way that the universe works shifted towards something that looks more distinctly well, modern, um, something that we would recognize as like, this is part of our world, this looks familiar. And then there's like a whole like literary and artistic uh, side to this too, which is Riley's bread and butter, um, which I think is really important because as we'll argue, I think like that is a really good way to read the vibe. It's like a, a vibe hermeneutic. <laughs> Yeah, but like basically that is what the good of, of understanding the literary and artistic movements of the time it allows you to understand like the historical uh, circumstance. Okay, a good question to start these kinds of discussions with um, is what kind of a thing are we talking about here? Like if we were talking about tables, we would understand very clearly, you know, what kinds of objects we're referring to. Um, if we're talking about science, you know, maybe we were, it's a little less clear, but we could specify we're talking about a set of practices and standards and activities done by certain kinds of professionals. Um, but talking about the modern um, is extremely uh, broad and perhaps vague. Um, so we were in search of a good tool or a good concept to encapsulate that. And I think we came across a pretty good one, um, which is a structure of feeling. So I think what we'll say is that the modern is, it's a structure of feeling. Yeah, so a uh, structure of feeling, a helpful term coined by Raymond Williams. Oh gosh, I don't have it pulled up. I don't remember what year he was writing in. I don't. <sighs> but anyway, the, the book is uh, Marxism and Marxism. literature. Yeah, Marxism and literature. Raymond Williams uh, writing in Marxism and literature, and the like thing that he's most concerned with in this essay is uh, like the affective structures of like a given time period, um, and like looking at like what was the dominant mood uh, and he's really interested in this because he is most interested in i'm saying interested too much but he's most concerned with like theorizing the cultural um and sort of like what is culture um and he feels that uh it's all about like vibe basically i'm oversimplifying it a little bit um 
That's okay. He overcomplicates it. So <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You had some gripes with him. I, I hate writing like this. I, yeah. What? <laughs> it's inscrutable. Like I could feel the, like the, like hard nosed analytic philosopher coming out in me as I was reading this mm. and I was, I was reading each claim going, what would it mean for this to not be true? Like, Oh what, my god. What is the reverse of this claim? I have no idea. Okay, but anyway, it's a it's not a me. Essay. I'm just like vibing. I'm yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, <laughs> yeah. He, he's hitting. Like he yeah. he gets it. Um Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And and one thing I think is interesting um is that he writes about the challenge of theorizing the present as it's unfolding. Um and generally I tend to think this is impossible, but he like regardless of whether or not it's impossible he still says it's like very important mm -hmm. um and the only way you can do that i feel he's saying is um by looking at these like affective structures and like the dominant mood uh, i keep saying dominant mood as well but i think yeah. that is these, wait now i'm a little confused um what is the difference between a structure of feeling and an affective structure that seems like the no same difference. thing okay well, well hang on then <laughs> you're defining one in, in with the other but they're the same oh thing. shit sorry i don't know sometimes i'm just talking no, you know yeah, i'm that, just yeah, yeah. i'm just reading my notes back um right no i'm not taking issue with you i'm taking issue with with um williams here a little bit in spite of the fact that i did think this was helpful um but i'm just trying to be i'm trying to understand really what he's saying yeah well, it's funny because now I'm like reading my notes and seeing parts where I'm like quoting him or paraphrasing and I write like to tie into Taylor, figuring out how society is functioning affectively hinges on our understanding of one's capacity to be affected. And it's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, well, okay. But here's the thing. There's only going to be a set of ways in which you can be affected in a given society, right? So like my reading, let me give you my reading of this and Please, you can tell yeah. me if I'm wrong. So like the way that I thought of it was actually kind of similar to what I had thought before. So maybe I'm just going into it just with confirmation bias, but like, it's like, there's only a certain set of like moods understood in the emotional sense, I think, um, where that you can like successfully inhabit under certain like ideological structures right and because this is like a marxist critique so i understand that that's that's probably that term is probably compatible with what he's saying mm -hmm. so like within a certain you know mode of production there's going to be certain ideologies that attend that and within that you're only going to be able to obtain um certain kinds of like moods and affects where and like affects are like basically like kind the kind of guy that you are <laughs> or something like or uh. girl is that I mean, I don't think that's what affect is, but I do sort of feel like that's what he's saying. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to think. I feel like he is really trying to describe his era and like the era immediately preceding him. And his issue is that like what is happening to him or like what is going on feels very like different than the past but there isn't like a language to describe the yeah. present um and so he's like well we must look at the structures of feeling but then yeah. i don't know if that's helpful um maybe it's like a know. set of coordinates you know like it's like like a map and you can you know fe your feeling can track tra feeling can like move in the in these directions under this system and under these other systems feeling can move in this other direction so like kind of like with the discussion of taylor that we had mm -hmm. like maybe in the past some sort of like ecstatic communion with the givenness of the divine was possible in the structure of feeling available to the medieval person but in our contemporary world that that part of the map is no longer open and so like our structure of feeling is quite different um, we just can't feel that way yeah i think that's true or like that's that's correct um and true maybe well oh, never mind i'm <laughs> i'm thinking about our taylor slander um yeah. i don't want to yeah. say anything he says is true no just yeah. kidding um, <laughs> well uh, no i'm not saying i'm not saying that what 
Taylor right. says. No, I'm just saying that that's an example of the kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes, I think that's the case. But I think what's interesting is that Williams was like definitely not. A, ugh, maybe this is too out there, but he really was not like a technological determinist, and actually like hated technological determinists. Like he was really anti McLuhan. Um, oh really okay which i think which i just learned and i think that's really interesting yeah he's really because he's really obsessed with like the social and he feels like the social is not like influenced by the technological in the way that i would think it obviously is yeah you know he would this is the trouble with these kinds of monikers because it's like like clearly it's affected by the technology. Maybe it's not like wholly determined by it, but like, can't, isn't it just like right. a matter of degree? Like, right. And I think so, like, okay, I pulled this quote, which is maybe helpful, maybe not, but we can discuss it. Um, yeah. So he writes uh, The idea of a structure of feeling can be specifically related to the evidence of forms and conventions, semantic figures, which in art and literature are often among the very first indications that such a new structure is forming. End quote. I think it's quite good, actually. Yeah. But I guess, like, what. So I was like trying to think about this in terms of modernism and I was like, okay, like, like literary forms, like fragmentation, difficulty, stream of consciousness, whatever. But then how are you going to say that that's like not technologically inflected? Like, I think it's so odd, like, right. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> like, you know? Yeah. So I'm just having a hard time really understanding what he's talking about. Um, well, I don't think that you need that part of his theorizing maybe isn't so necessary i think mm -hmm. yeah we can we can just ignore his, his sure. like quibble yeah, with yeah, McLuhan yeah. there but okay cool so so now that it's eminently clear what a structure of feeling is vibes i mean i think like their vibe is like oh shorthand maybe for a lot of this though is the thing mm -hmm. um it's a it's a messy shorthand, but it's it's one that generally gets at the the idea. Um, Wait, sorry, I feel like we yeah. should back it up and clarify that affect is not the type of guy you can be. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that we should just think <laughs> of affect more as like feeling, but even like um, feeling, not like individual feeling, but like collective. Yeah, vibe, <laughs> you okay. know, yeah. um, but it's less concrete than the type of guy you can be. Sorry to like really underscore, be like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, no, that's fine. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, vibes only. The modern okay. is just the vibe shift. It is. Said. Yeah, it is. It is just a vibe. Um, yeah, and I guess just as you can't really like do the old like you can't be like a twee garden in your backyard craft brewery hipster anymore uh, that vibe has closed um or at least for the for those in the know it's closed um like you can't really be a you know self-flagellating monk or something because that vibe has has closed too Well, given that, okay, so the, the modern is, it is a vibe. Um, it is a structure of feeling, but structure of feelings come with, I think, like touchstones, like little bits of important, like hallmarks that kind of, that, that are the structure, right? That is filled in um, by, by the vibe. Um, and I think an important way to like organize this is actually through philosophy. Um, and I think a lot of people do point to this because like, through some sort of process of like, I don't know, top-down elite <laughs> influence or something like that, the dominant philosophies of the day actually, I guess in some sense, do seem to influence like what popular culture and the masses, um, what kinds of vibes are available to them. Um, and so I think to that end, I was gonna mansplain like what modern philosophy is. Please, yeah. yeah. God knows I 
don't know anything <laughs> about okay. it. So. Okay. So without going into like crazy detail about like the whole damn history of uh, Western philosophy, I think um, like a good point of comparison for the difference between medieval philosophy and what came before it, um, or sorry, what came after it, which is modern philosophy, is just the sort of like in, in a lot of medieval philosophy, God was kind of a given. You may have heard of um, Anselm's famous uh, like methodological phrase, uh, uh, faith-seeking reason or faith-seeking understanding, which is kind of the kind of the mindset that these guys were going into it with, where the aim was to be devoutly Christian, and that was the background structure for the worldview. And then within that framework, kind of fiddle around with the logical constructs um, that made up a lot of the thought that they had going on, which was mostly influenced by Aristotle and um, Plato and Neoplatonists of the day. Um, and so this is kind of the background condition, and or the starting point, rather. And from this, much as, as history is progressing in the background, the Renaissance starts, um, at least in intellectual circles, modes of thinking are beginning to change for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, and I'm not convinced are clear to anybody, but um, maybe the Black Death had something to do with this, whatever. So modes of thinking started to change significantly, and from this emerges um, figures like Descartes. Um, and Descartes is really an interesting person to look at because he sort of changes the whole methodological approach that had been practiced before then. Philosophy like switches, it begins to like shed that um, sort of like God-given framework uh, or like mm -hmm. where God is a given rather, like mm -hmm. that framework. Mm -hmm. And so Descartes is usually heralded as like the like the the harbinger of, of modern philosophy um he was using a lot of the tools like a lot of the logical tools of the medievals like he talks a lot about substance and that sort of thing which is a very medieval concept but um he produces a system of like foundationalist epistemology that is like very uh it's it's modern it's like it's very rational it builds up from um, like the structures of his mind that he can be assured of um, and like sense data and that sort of thing and puts it all together into a coherent like system that it still includes God because he uses God as basically like a crutch to keep his like system to, to feel self-assured that his philosophical system works but um, in the like ultimately its core is very rational it's very like just it's it's humanist too because he is figuring this stuff out from his human perspective could you yeah. define rational yeah good and, and humanist please yeah just um, to like i really want to make sure i'm i'm following here yeah of course so by rational i guess i mean rationalist in the sense that like descartes is you know, usually cited as a rationalist, which is a view in epistemology, it's the study of knowledge, that you, um, like the ultimate grounding for knowledge is in structures that are present to the mind in thinking. So like math, right? Like you learn, you don't need to like learn math empirically, you don't need to like see two teacups and two more teacups and put them together and see that that's four. Like you just like the structure of your mind makes it evident to you without ever having actually empirically seen it that there are four when you put two and two together. And so like that kind of structure is seen as like the bedrock of knowledge. Um, in Descartes system, he famously is like looking for things in his mind that he can doubt which is pretty much everything, right? Like he can doubt the existence of the external world around him, but what he finds that he cannot doubt is his mind itself, right? Like even if he is just like being tricked by an evil demon or he's like in the matrix or something, he still can't doubt that he is at least a thinking thing. Okay, so that's why it's, rash it's rationalist because it's it builds on the bedrock of the structures of thinking that are 
um, that you can like be certain of and then up from there. Um, and what makes it uh, humanist is actually kind of basically by that same, like by the same stroke. Like he is very, he builds again his system on the stuff that he as a person, just like sitting in his armchair, closing his eyes and thinking really hard what he can be assured of. And I think this is distinct from like pre-humanistic versions of philosophy that kind of like the medievals is the easiest point of contrast where they think that a lot of their um, like what they can understand is like guided by God in some way. Like if you think of like Augustine through his, his different like intellectual like in his intellectual journey, he sees himself as having been guided by God the whole time to come to understand the things that he understands. And like, that's like a pretty important component of his view. Um, like you can isolate and take stuff away from Augustine that isn't like about God, but really his, the way that his views develop is really guided by God. Yeah. So Augustine is the one who said, when we were talking about prayer, who said mm -hmm. like the purpose of prayer is that I should pray so that, what is it? So that maybe what I'm praying for is already going to happen, mm -hmm. but that is God's will for me to pray and then have yeah. my prayers realized. I think that might've been Aquinas actually. Oh shit. You're right. Yeah. But no, that's another good example where it mm -hmm. is like, you know, you kind of, you kind of let go of the reins, give, give, yeah. give it to God. And so, I, yeah, sorry. Uh, maybe this isn't important for our purposes, but it seems like there's like, was this like mind body split like new? Um, Is there a mind body split? Yes. So in Descartes, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's like totally new. There have been dualists, um, which is the name for like Mm -hmm. There's two things uh, since like Greek times and in other cultures too. But so it would be a bit chauvinist and narrow-minded to say it's like Descartes invented it. But I think he like codifies it as part of the Western worldview, maybe. Got it. So um, it is important to like the development of the modern or maybe not. This yes. is just, okay. No, I think it is. And I'm glad that you pointed to this. It is actually very important because it's kind of the thing that um, that Taylor is getting mad at so like in the cartesian worldview he can doubt everything including his body like you might be a brain in a brain in a vat as they usually talk about in like intro philosophy classes where like nice. you're just like a brain you know in a lab somewhere being yeah poked. we've all seen yeah. the matrix yeah exactly okay yeah. yeah well they still have bodies in the matrix they're just like well, gross jelly bodies but I guess. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do they? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, maybe not in the full sense. But anyway, so, but you can't doubt the mind. Um, and so this is grounds for Descartes believing that they're actually two different substances, too. Um, because, like, all things, like, if two things are the same thing, then everything that's true of one must be true of the other. And that doesn't seem to be the case for the mind and the body. And so, um, there's a few other justifications there, but basically, like the the idea is, yeah, there's two different substances: the mind and the body. Um, and the body is of the physical world, and the mind seems not to be. It has no extension, as he puts it. Like, how 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 many inches long is your mind? Uh, anyway, that uh, oh yeah, and the reason that that's important, especially to Taylor, is because that begins the process of like the buffered self where you are like you're like there's the outside world and then there's your like mind which is its own sort of like little little walled <laughs> you know fortress um that things can come in and out of but you know not in the same it's not like porously one with the physical world um the way that maybe um previous peoples would have considered it yeah and so one of the things that we read on our uh, Taylor Redemption arc <laughs> reading list. Uh, he talks about um, kind of like the, if you are like feeling depressed today, he gives the example. He's like, oh, you could be like, oh, I'm depressed because I'm like hungry or um, I'm tired or I like I'm in a bad mood. I can like name my depression as like depression and I recognize that it like exists outside of me 
whereas he says that like uh you know medieval peoples would just say like oh it's the black bile but black bile doesn't cause your like melancholy it just like everything is like it just is it right is yeah, it is the right. melancholy um yeah. but it's not like you can just be like oh that's what it is like it's not like myself no it is yourself it right. is um because you're porously connected to it yeah so okay maybe this is a non sequitur but is panpsychism <laughs> uh yeah can there be modern panpsychism I'm bringing this up because, you know, yeah. I'm about to talk about modernism and yeah. there's this article. I think I may have brought it up, brought it up on the pod before. You have got so mad at it before. Yeah. yeah, I'm so obsessed with it. This philosopher writing on Mrs. Dalloway, who says Clarissa Dalloway is a panpsychist. Um, and I just think this is like such <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. Um, although now I'm like writing my chapter and I'm like, he makes some points though, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, uh, I really, actually, I want to read that actually because I just have yeah, no idea how to you. even begin to conceive of that. But like, okay, here's my here's my quick take on that, and then I'll finish modern yeah, philosophy. So, sorry, yeah, 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 no, no worries. Um, I think if anything, panpsychism is a like botched attempt to like shove like a sort of like monism of, about mm. the world back into a dualistic modern framework. Like, I think that's, that's kind of what seems to be. It's like, yeah, they're trying to like fix that wound using the very tools of modern philosophy in a way that ends up producing like, I think a terrible error. Like I think panpsychism is, is quite silly, mm -hmm. um, but uh, but that's my, that's my gut take on that. Um, and what's your take on monism? That monism is true. Uh, okay, bet. Yeah, cool. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. New, neutral yeah. monism. Russell figured it. Well, okay, now I'll tell the end of the story. Oh, yes, so, please. Sorry. So here's, yes. So we leave off with our friend Descartes, who um, kills God, um, basically. Uh, he did it by accident. Yeah. He does. He, he, yeah, I think he, he probably regrets that. But it was, it was Descartes that killed God, because um, he basically invented philo like philosophy that no longer relied on any sort of magic. Uh, you, all you need is a nice Cartesian coordinate plane um, and some really good math and thinking. Kind of the the like arch modern philosophy in my in my view is analytic philosophy, which was born at the beginning of the 20th century, end of the 19th century, which really took the like it is like the it's kind of like you know the the scientific vibe of like every we can understand everything with like math and evidence basically, like the analytic philosophy kind of is the like underlying architecture for how that worldview works um because it's based in logic like russell and frege who are two mathematician logicians basically tried to ground like all knowledge including math in logic um like in symbolic logic which was is seen as kind of like the bedrock of all like you know like we we can be very sure of this come what may and um, that ended up not working out so well, but it is still the most prevalent like vibe in philosophy, although that's kind of changing with younger generations from what I can tell. But at least for the past like 100, uh, you know, 150 years or so, analytic philosophy has really like reigned supreme in the US and in Britain. Okay, so rounding this out, I shouldn't just try to give a whole history of philosophy because now I'm realizing that it's too complicated. But the distinctive feature of modern philosophy, I think, is this, is that it's basically humanist. So like in the, whether you're in like the analytic tradition stemming from like Frege and Russell or in the continental, the so-called continental tradition, which kind of stems from like Kant and Hegel and goes on with figures like Sartre and, um, uh, uh, Heidegger and all those guys like what really characterizes all of this is a kind of humanism um, like it's a, a focus on like the ability of people to kind of figure out what needs figuring out about life in the world um, and a lot of that even if it's not scientific like even if it's not like um, parallel to the goals of science, which a lot of analytic philosophy is, and a lot of continental philosophy kind of isn't, um, or like not parallel to, but in accordance with, um, even if it's not in accordance with the aims of science, it still basically relies on a kind of 
humanistic evidentiary framework. Um, for instance, like revelation has no part in this. Um, whereas like divine revelation might have been considered a, a justifiable way of knowing in previous eras, I think what characterizes the modern philosophical tradition is like revelation just doesn't count. Like you can't, you can't be like, oh yeah, God actually told me, um, <laughs> you know, that empiricism is true. Like, no, um, it, it has to come from a human, humanized justificatory framework. Um, I think that's right. And I think that that is uh, at least like that's, that sets the standard. Um, and science, of course, follows in this, for, like science exists within the modern philosophical tradition, like the enterprise of science as we understand it. Um, of course, people have been doing science for thousands of years um, in the form of like testing and evidence and using math to figure stuff out. But like the science, like the naturalistic worldview that is part of science, which is just like things occur according to natural processes that can be measured and, under and understood using human methods. And there isn't any need for ghosts and gods and goblins and all that kind of stuff. Um, that philosophical commitment, which is part of the in institution of science is a piece of, or like a just falls out of the modern philosophical tradition. So you can kind of see how Descartes' view that you can kind of figure out like a whole system of thinking without having God guide you is kind of like the gateway into basically the whole like naturalistic worldview. That's why I say that he killed God. God becomes like a super a superfluous addition. So are you pro-science then? <laughs> like, I don't me, know. Me, oh, me personally? I guess, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Although I'm skeptical of like, I don't think that like, ultimately, people have the capacity to understand um, every like, I guess I'm kind of like a mysterian about a lot of like, fundamental questions. Um, and that like, I, I just don't think, like, how bizarre would it be if we just so happen to have everything that we needed to understand the universe and all its workings, mm -hmm. and even ourselves, that would be bizarre. That seems ludicrous to me. That'd be so random. It would be. It would be. It would be. It would be, yeah. it would be out of pocket. Um, I just. Yeah. You know, how would that happen? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. We just happen to evolve to be able to understand ourselves wholly and and the universe wholly. Doubt it. Um, Dang. Now, now I don't think that's justification for like an interventionist god or something like that. But oh, sure. Which is a leap that a lot of people will make. That is um, what I was thinking you might be headed towards and I was like yeah. no that can't be yeah it doesn't follow from there but I do think that um in like you know it's kind of like science is not like a whole picture of of the universe and everything but it's the best we've got probably I think mm -hmm. is maybe my is my view yeah at least for some things Yeah, so we have been talking about like the modern as a whole and sort of this uh, like condition in which God is dead, maybe, if you will, if we're, I don't know, would you yeah. say that's, that's a fair? I think, yeah, and I think that is fair because it's, God is no longer like the securing background condition under which ways of knowing can develop or something like that, I think is the, is the yeah. thesis. Yeah, so that is just like the general background of the modern. And I think something I've been thinking about that I just want to like mention quickly is that, uh, so as I noted at the top of the episode, modernism, postmodernism, and metamodernism all exist within modernity. And I think that we can think of like modernity as like a light switch like once it's been switched on like we're in the mo like we're modern now <laughs> there's no going back um and so like literary modernism and i don't know other modernism postmodernism whatever they uh all kind of are grappling with like this new state that we're in that we can't we can't root to burn basically <laughs> they wish we could maybe um but yeah so I'm going to talk about literary modernism a little bit um, and like 
as an aesthetic movement confined to a specific time frame, like modernism in that sense. Um, and I want to talk about this because I think it's where like the conditions of the modern really come to a head. Um, and I still think we're like dealing with the fallout from modernism. And though I did say at the beginning that we're not in an epicycle of modernism, but we're just like in an epicycle of modernity. Is that what I had said yeah, when I yeah, disagreed yeah. with you? That was your quibble with my language use, yeah. Well, I think I was wrong. I think <laughs> like as I'm thinking about modernism, I'm like, oh wait, this is the same. Um, so maybe we are just in another epicycle of modernism. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll just get into like the historical uh, overview. Um, we can sort of see modernism emerging in the late 1800s um, and ending around 1945. Both of those are debatable. Um, I think it's good to stick with like a short thick modernism rather than a long and thin modernism as people say um yeah <laughs> you have a reaction to sorry this? no no i just i like it yeah yeah short um, and thick. yeah short and thick <laughs> yeah um <laughs> as you were <laughs> sorry um <laughs> fuck. okay we're gonna have to cut that <laughs> i'm not cutting that <laughs> just my laughing at it so oh, much yeah. um I don't want to create more editing for you, actually. Leave it in. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but I think it's pretty good to be strict about the time period because I think that it is really, um, like, modernism is really related to the events that were going on. Um, but that being said, although I am strict about it, I think it's also important to recognize that modernism is more of like a structure of feeling than anything else. It's not like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's, it's all vibes. Right. Um, and it's just like to William's point, modernism is a really clear example of a group of artists and writers trying to grapple with this present that feels so different than it had before. Um, and I think you could say like, okay, well, everyone feels that way about the present. Like everyone is always like, you know, this crisis is so new, but I don't think that's true um, in the modernist era. Um, and I think that there are a lot of like technological and social things we can point to and say, okay, that was really different. Um, and I think like two big ones, the first world war <laughs> um, and the telephone, uh, I think really, just rewired people's senses and you could like point nice. to even like um oh yeah like literally rewired yeah, people's yeah. senses uh great job riley no <laughs> um, yeah. and uh just before i get into it i also want to say that uh i would consider like nietzsche and freud like the daddies of modernism uh and i yeah. think that's also important to to consider yeah um yeah i didn't give nietzsche a very fair uh, or really any any attention in mind but um yeah, so glad you're making up for that now. I mean, I'm not going to say anything else about okay. him, but yeah, there. shout yeah. out to him. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. And so I think a good way, like a good distillation of modernism um, comes from Sarah Danius, I think is how you pronounce her name. Um, and she writes them modernism was a quote historically mediated crisis of the sense the senses sorry um and i think that's totally right and a lot of like the formal features we see in literary modernism fragmentation difficulty stream of consciousness is just trying to come to terms with this crisis like and i i won't get into like the telephone or whatever but just imagine <laughs> that like you've never been able to call someone up and now like you've never this it, I don't think we can imagine it suddenly like what does that do to your perspective on like the voice if it can be like disembodied like what is for the first time ever um or like recorded sound you have access to like your gramophone or whatever and now sound is not like a fleeting thing but something that can be replayed it's just a lot was going on yeah. um and uh, you know, because of this, there were 
all these other new feelings and formations arising. A lot of modernist authors were really interested in um, like new religion and the occult. Um, and then just like more generally new ideas coming to the forefront about like human minds, circuits, networks, um, and like the interplay of those. And also like transhumanism. I don't know, there's really an infinite amount of things that you can say. Uh, but I was thinking when you were talking about philosophy, how Virginia Woolf really hated philosophy, <laughs> which <laughs> good for her, um, and like mood. But I think that something that's really interesting interesting about literary modernism is that it exists like in this like scientific era um, where there are all these new technologies and it really like draws from these new technologies was really influenced but also is sort of pushing back against it um, like I think modernism is sort of anti-enlightenment not like as in it shouldn't have happened but as in like it's not a sufficient system yeah like the kind of naturalism that i was uh, talking about earlier right like that's the thing that they're dissatisfied with yeah yeah like, like it's, it's scientific not, naturalism of some kind yeah like it's not um a sufficient representation of the world like something is missing from it um right. there are like feelings especially that it doesn't cover and i think this was wolf's gripe is that um she said lego life is about like uh, she describes life as like a luminous halo and it's very much like built on vibes in a way yeah. that like monism well maybe monism addresses it i don't know enough about well there's, there's lots of different kinds of monism but yeah at least the like the kind of um <laughs> you know i was thinking like the scientific like worldview almost like it's like, okay, God dies and like we're like left holding the bag and like science is like trying to hand the bag back um, like to nature or something. And it seems mm -hmm. like maybe this is what the modern modernists in the literary sense are reluctant to do or don't like the way that science is doing it or something. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, I think that's right. And people like when they're theorizing like modernism in relation to postmodernism, they always say like, oh, modernism wants a grand narrative and postmodernism is like the dissolution of narratives. And I think that's kind of true. Um, but I think the key thing here is that they're reacting to what they consider like a grand narrative of like maybe science mm -hmm. being like, that's not a good enough narrative. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, a lot of them, not all of them, are interested in like the occult or like representing consciousness. It was like very experimental, you know? Right. Um, and like anti-realism in a mm. way. Um, there was this term I heard to describe Sheila Hetty's work, but I think it is also fitting for modernism, which is subjective realism. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, I don't know, just a, be a beautiful phrase, uh, but I think it is descriptive here or like fitting. Yeah. Although, even though, okay, side note, even though Wolf was anti-philosophy, she and Russell were buddies. Yeah. And she calls him Birdie at one point, that's like in her so journals cute. or something. <laughs> that's like something I would write in a fan fiction. It um, is, yeah. That's so Have you cool. been writing a lot of... <laughs> I had Russell been. I didn't, I didn't even know that I was writing Wolf Russell fan fiction. Didn't even know it was real. Uh, I manifested <laughs> well, it. <laughs> you manifested it. Yeah, you manifested the past or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I'm, oh, gosh. I'm fighting the urge to reference a Red Scare episode when Dasha says you can pray for things to have happened differently. And then Sheila Hetty says, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's what you've done. That is, I did. Well, Dasha um, vindicated yet again. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah um so yeah that's that's modernism i love it so much i like that it's very difficult uh there's like kind of this belief that modernist writers were writing these really difficult hard to parse texts to keep people out or like to be exclusive um but that's wrong 
and they were actually doing it because they wanted to like raise people's consciousness like they wanted to challenge people and like reward effort I think maybe I'm being too like literal about this or like too generous um because I'm biased I really like modernism yeah. uh but I just think it's such like a nice it's so visceral you know there's something about I, I don't know. Do you have any questions? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was waiting for you to finish your thought. Well, I was going to say that I really like, kind of going back to what you said immediately before this, like, I really like the analogy of the light switch coming on mm -hmm. because I imagine, like, okay, we're all in the dark, um, in God's darkness, and the light switch comes on and we realize, okay, God's dead, and, like, now what are we, what are we doing here? Um, and, like, you've got these scientists I don't know, I'm trying to turn the light back off or something. <laughs> um, or like, you know, working in their, you know, working on their own like meta narrative basically, right? And then like elsewhere you have like these these modernists trying to like experiment with different, I don't know, modes of, of subjectivity that, um, but like everybody, even though they're on their different projects are in the same room with the lights turned on now. Um, is that? Yeah. A, a yeah, well I think, I don't think it's that the scientists are trying to like turn the light off. I think they're trying yeah. to be like, it's so cool to be in the light. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Right? right? Yeah. And it's like, look at all that we can see in the light. And I think the modernists are maybe like, eh, what if we could make it dark somehow again? Or like, what if maybe not darkness is better? Maybe this is too tenuous of an analogy. But like, yeah. Yeah. What do, I don't know. Yeah. They've just got yeah. their own kind of project um, that is still occurring within that context, though, I think. is Yeah, yeah, part. definitely. Yeah, they're yeah. all in the room together, for sure. Right. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about how much I love this modernist book on my desk now, and I'm, like, getting distracted thinking about <laughs> uh, just, like, the way they describe or that, like, networks are represented as, like, holding some, like, cosmic power almost i think it's really beautiful and i think it's also very relevant to how we think about things today um, what kinds of networks um in this case it's like so this book is women in love it's kind of a horny book so i'm sorry to bring up <laughs> this example for all you i don't know prudes um <laughs> there's like this one scene where this woman has just gotten married and she's like touching her husband's like thighs and she's just talking about like electric currents like mm -hmm. animating them both and she says like this is she uses religious terms she says like this is like the daughters of man or the daughters of god returning to the sons of man or something like this and it's yeah. very just like cosmic um and just like electric networks and it's just like that is obviously like a very new you couldn't write that right 40 years prior and it has just like completely just rewired people's brains um yeah i don't know not in like how tiktok is giving us all adhd no, right just <laughs> right or other so. forms of brain damage surely yeah um, yeah yeah well i think that's a pretty good i mean i guess the other the last piece of this is um and thank you for that um explanation um is like there's the whole political historical side of it like I mean during this period like liberal democracy as we understand it um, begins to emerge um, along with like the questioning of old forms of like understanding of the world through this kind of like divinely mandated order comes uh, questioning of that order's political representation through monarch in, in monarchy um, and so there's just a lot of like <laughs> I guess like the humanism really runs from top to bottom in, in all of this, like, you, you know, ideas of self-governance and uh, departure from, um, you know, like archaic, like uh, top-down rulership is just, it's very humanistic. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what the, you know, I actually recently was reading, um, which is the, the Dawn of Everything um, by David Wengro and, and uh, David, what's his name? Uh, Graber. Graber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love David Graber. Yeah, he's great. So much. Um, yeah, it was really good. He, he yeah, is, they, yeah. 
I haven't read that book though, so sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, no, it's all right. It's massive. Um, but basically the thesis or like one of the theses of it, it's not, this is not the central thesis, but like one interesting point was that like ideas about like liberal democracy were actually like brought to Europe from like European travelers and colonizers in the Americas who like saw more egalitarian frameworks in Native American tribes, um, which I thought is really cool. It's like a really nice, I've never heard that the story told that way before. Um, and they're kind of like questioning, actually they do a, lot, a fair bit of like questioning the historical meta narratives that have heretofore reigned supreme about like the development of civilization. Um, good book. But um, actually Matt Chrisman did his, you know, of, of Chapo did like a multi-part like solo stream uh, review wow. and like reading club of that book, um, which I, I found out that. only after reading some of that. So mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's why you started reading. That is why I started, yeah, yeah. You wanted yeah. to be in a parasocial book club. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually started reading it because Allie of our soon real social book club um, sent it to me for my birthday. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but anyway, um, yes, so there's that whole historical political side of it. Um, but I think the real central feature here that was we're coming back around to we were dunking on him we were you know we were thrashing him we were kicking his shit but turns out that charles taylor had a kind of a good point here um oh. about <laughs> humanism really being a central feature of modernity we didn't <laughs> like disagree with that no we didn't yeah we just <laughs> disagreed with oh. okay so here's the deal guys i ran into a friend the other day and I was telling him about how I didn't like Charles Taylor's split between transcendence and imminence and this friend without missing a beat said you didn't finish reading the book did you <laughs> and I was like oh god so horrified um yeah. so that's our real beef with Taylor yeah. and well, maybe that, it's well, that was your maybe, real beef with Taylor yeah whatever yeah. sure yeah <laughs> what's I mean, your real beef with him well my my I guess aside I, from that he writes like a wasp right I well no you know I'm actually pretty sympathetic to that but like I think <laughs> that his um no my beef with him was that he's not uh or like I don't think that f like full enchantment was really possible in the way that he thinks it was that was my that was my okay beef. well I guess your beef holds up and mine, <laughs> well, mine I don't know yours, yours might too who knows yeah maybe, maybe <laughs> if you me. finish reading it the case he mm -hmm. makes would be even worse <laughs> than what you think it is. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Maybe well, though. Charles Taylor redemption episode in the near yeah. near to long, near to midterm, um, for sure. Yeah. We've already done some rehabilitation now. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, in the next, so, okay. If, if the project of modernity is kind of like wholeheartedly trying to come up with a meta narrative that stands in the place of the fallen old one, which is God, um, post-modernity, I think is going to take like a meta level look at that. And that's gonna be the topic of our next episode. Um, so we're gonna find out how Jacques Derrida got President Trump elected president of the oh United my States God. of America and ushered in the era of post-truth. Um, oh my gosh, this is so rough. I I don't know anything about postmodernism. I've read one Pynchon novel and I didn't like it. Oh God, yeah. Well, post I don't know anything about postmodern literature at all. Um, I just assume it's like they, everything is like spelled wrong and like they do some art, you know, like they do crazy stuff and like, it's like an asynchronous story that has like that's modernism oh, okay. well, <laughs> see, yeah i don't know what the no. fuck i'm talking about I, uh, but i do know a little bit about postmodern philosophy um mm. and so it's gonna be i'm gonna have to get back into that shit which is um you know signifiers i have to find out about those oh. deconstruction oh, yeah boy. i know about this stuff as well i guess yeah. um yeah. that's because at this point philosophy had like kicked out these guys and literature and compare like complet took them in. I don't remember where we left off. Um, Tune in next time for postmodernism. Um, we're gonna badly read 
some Derrida and some, I don't know, fucking Echo maybe, <laughs> some Marcusa uh, are gonna, mm -hmm. yeah, some of those, some of those French and Italian boys. Um, yeah. Maybe some, some women too. I don't know. Should probably read a woman nah. some. Okay, right. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't know. Butler is she? Uh, uh, is she in that? I don't know. Well, is the, Foucault? Yeah. Foucault? Well, he's yeah. He's still in that in that in that tradition. I think. Um, I read him in my postmodernism class, so mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, yeah. My take. We'll see if it holds up. But my take is the lights are on. Everybody's working on their little projects. You know. <laughs> And the postmoderns, the the good that they do is they see, okay, is they they're the ones to point out, hey, wait a minute, the lights are on, and we're all working on these dumb little projects. Um, and you think that's good? Well, yeah, I think it kind of, I think that is like the, well, it's intellectually rigorous, maybe. Sure, I guess my beef with postmodernism is that I just think it's like tacky. Yeah, and it like is. it is tacky. Too ironic. Right be sincere <laughs> like yeah stop stop right. i don't know well, that's episode writing about three. drugs i don't know yeah this is all i i don't know anything about postmodernism well when you realize the lights are on you know you kind of just want to do drugs there's no <sighs> there's no god to stop you i don't know yeah we're really all right well we'll, we'll redeem ourselves in the next one yeah go read some yates guys yeah. go read some virginia wolf yeah, hey she's a woman oh yeah all right yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah. Right, go read some wolf. Go read. Go read a room of one's own, and um, which is the only wolf I've read. And then oh, um, that sucks. <laughs> it's, it's really nice. I no, it's I, good. It's good, yeah. but it's not her best. Right. Well, I, you know what I came away from that thinking is like, damn, having your own apartment would be nice. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, That's so Russ funny. Go read yeah. some Russell. Also, um, don't make that face. Russell's good. I'll give you some Russell to read. I'll figure no. something out. Um, <laughs> okay, problems of fine. philosophy, classic, classic. Well. All right. <laughs> See you later. See you in heaven. See you. <laughs> That's right. What the hell? I, for I forgot. It's, okay, I guess I won't. Well, well, no, I, see I, you I'll later. See you. I'll see you in heaven, Riley. Okay, Forgot we were you. Christians. All right.